All right, welcome to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. I am Dan Stark here with my co-host, Noah Cope. Noah, uh, doing some thinking about the name again. Is this the best thing we can come up with? I was thinking both of our names are like words, right? And coping is certainly something that you have to do a lot of Sure. as a Chicago sports fan. So is there something else that we could go with? I don't know. Maybe we'll put it out there to our listeners. Is this the best name that we can? I've gotten feedback with? that it's that we should come up with a better name. Um, but at the same time, it's easy to, to, to give the feedback. It's hard to think of a, a better one. That, so better name. Yeah. And uh, do we want to be more than just Chicago sports? I don't I, That I kind of put in there thinking, well, we got to kind of draw people in. Maybe someone's looking for a Chicago sports podcast. In fact, I should, I should Google Chicago sports podcast and see how low down we are. Oh, wait, I can't do it up on this computer. Can I? Oh, there we go. We'll, we'll start with, I mean, we'll always lean Chicago no matter what, just given what our interests are. Um, and but, especially obviously during bear season, it becomes much easier because there's something to discuss every week. Right. Whereas but it, it's a little, go ahead. In terms of name, I'll, I'll try and think of something you haven't, this is the first time hearing of your, your new displeasure with the name that you, you made up. Well, I mean, look, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm quite at the, the, the level of displeasure. I will okay, say but here's, though, here's the problem is this, is this the best we can do. Is yes, our, what is our large audience there? They know us by our name. How are they? We have uh, that name recognition now. I know right. that's the other thing. Do we, is it, do I want to do a rebrand? I don't know. These are all factors that have to be considered in making this decision. Will the seven to 10 people that listen each week, will they be able to find us under a new name? I think, I think the biggest thing that I'm going, <laughs> all right, I'm changing the name. I just decided it will right. be named, the new Thanks. name is. The Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Podcast. Oh, interesting. Okay. That was a big name change. <laughs> That's where I've landed. I think that because I just realized when I Google Chicago Sports Podcast, there's no way. And look, I know I could be doing stuff with SEO or whatever else to try to get our, to try to get us bumped up. But maybe if it was in the name, that 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 it's in itself would help us. Yeah, probably All right, rebranded. <laughs> uh, you want to reintroduce? No. All right. Um, Next well, time, I, I do have a. It's not really a shake it off, but I figured it. We should talk a little bit about, um, you know, the NFL news that's been making waves over the last couple of days. Um, yes, sir. with you know all the the running backs. I think it was um, Barkley, Pollard, and Josh Jacobs not signing new deals. Um, yep. And so there's a lot of talk about sort of. You know, people bringing up again, um, you know, either being pro or anti the teams, not giving them new deals. Do they deserve, you know, what they're asking for, et cetera. And so it, it brought up that whole can of worms about, about running backs. And I'm definitely not surprised I, that, you know, it's such a big topic of conversation, just given, I think it's with how, how dominant fantasy football is in how people absorb football. Though the running backs, there's a, such a disproportionate value to running backs and how, how much you follow them in fantasy and how big and valuable they are in fantasy to their actual value to teams. And so 
these contract negotiations and when these guys aren't getting you know new deals it's it it, it makes headlines which doesn't surprise yeah. me what does surprise yeah. me is that there hasn't somehow been some correction in the market where these guys continue to find themselves in the same place you know it's it, it's it's nothing new that these guys have wanted these bigger deals and yeah. these teams are reluctant to give them and so i'm surprised that their agents whatever them themselves are finding themselves in the same holding pattern of you know getting to this point where they get franchised and 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 wanting to sit out that's sort of what's what's surprising me yeah i think you know when you were talking about the fantasy thing i think it was i thought of something that i hadn't considered before which is how much running backs actually drive interest in football overall right that, that because they are such a key component of fantasy that people watch and follow for them right i mean they're still like the marquee guys and yet they're treated like this disposable resource who isn't bringing any value and i do think that's an interesting argument to make that like they actually are bringing a ton of value to the game by virtue of that and they should be getting a bigger piece of the pie because of it um well the flip side of that is is there's a lot of, like should they because there's there's another guy waiting to just take over for, for yeah no i, I take, get take that piece of the yes. pie from that i get it which is why the rookie scale totally screws them and which is why what they should push for is to have a different rookie contract when you are running back that running back sign different deals um something like maybe uh, a higher franchise tag as well well that they can yeah maybe it's it's something that's different than it is now because that's not high enough but the higher the franchise tag would be higher if let's say they had like two year deals with the option for the third instead of like four and five which is how it's set up now that third year becomes more expensive and then these guys are hitting free agency much earlier now right. Obviously, the owners don't want this, right? They're not just going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Sure. But so the players will have to give up something else. But that's the only way these guys aren't going to get screwed because a 25-year-old running back is still very productive. There's a lot less uh, evidence or there's a lot less productivity when you get to that 27 age. And then that's what – so by the time they get through that rookie contract, there's – they're basically past their prime running back primes are so short. Right. And they take such a beating. That's the other thing. These guys are getting screwed by CTE, like worse than anyone. They take the biggest hits. Oh yeah. They're, they're running, they're blocking their, their, their usage is, is so high for those first couple of years. And yeah, they are taking the biggest hits, but the part that you know I want to get back to that, I don't know if you have, you know, some sort of hypothesis for, for why it is, is, is how they keep finding themselves in this position where because maybe the, it just, bargaining is the market is that the market for running back, if you're good is you play out your rookie deal and you get franchise and that's just the market. But I figured at some point there'd be some sort of happy medium where I've these guys, but how, have, how have you, been offered? How would, I think they have been offered extensions, just not at the numbers that they wanted. And so I'm, I'm surprised that they're not sort of, they're, they're still reluctant to take those, whatever, $10 million a year for three-year extensions as opposed to the $15 million a year for three years that they want, right? It's not like they, they Saquon wasn't off. Yeah, I guess I'm not a part I'm not part of the negotiations. And actually, to me, the only one who has like a rock-solid case with this in terms of like being deserving of extension or like being a, a better bet is Jacobs. 
because he's been pretty consistent. He stayed healthy, I guess is the biggest thing, right? Like Saquon, I can see it's like you had a big rookie year and then a big year the past year, but also he's had trouble staying on the field. So like, I don't, we're not in the negotiation. So we don't know what these guys are actually being offered in terms of extensions. Right. I'm sure on his side, he's saying, I'm the face of the franchise. I'm the, the biggest star on this, this team in New York. Like I deserve this contract. I'm sure that is everything he's saying. I just, I, I'm not, I'm surprised. Right, that he's a, Sure. Go ahead. Here's another thing they could do. A franchise tag is guaranteed for the following season for injuries or maybe even two seasons. So you're saying a two year franchise tag? No, only if the guy gets hurt, then you have to pay them, pay him for that second year being under the franchise tag. Right. And so that guarantees them two years if they are hurt under that, that pay. Yeah. And then if they get franchised then and they stay healthy, then they get franchised the next year or whatever. And so what they would about, get that money. And then that, then that deal would also be guaranteed. Like every time you franchise, you, you basically are getting two years guaranteed, but only for injury. And what about the, the running, like there are running backs that get extensions, you know, McCaffrey, um, Kamara, yeah, they haven't been those. good investments. It doesn't help their case. I mean, McCaffrey's well, been do you, who knows, but do you so you those guys who are who are really good out of the backfield, though you don't see sort of a a, a a reason to pay those guys. No, I do. I'm just saying that like these guys are reluctant to hand the owners and GMs are reluctant to hand out extensions. And if you look at the extensions that have been handed out, they yeah, largely Tony have Pollard not been was good. fucked because, because of how bad the Zeke contract was. There's no way Jerry right. Jones was going to go ahead and pay another running yes. back right after the, well, the also, running back that, that succeeded his, his bad contract running back. But not just that too, that they, they actually played Ezekiel Elliott a lot more instead of realizing a sunk cost and not using Pollard as much as they should have been for the two years before this past one, like he's right. been, if you watch the games, he's been their best running back for a while. And so anyways, so that, that doesn't help their case. And I'm pro running back. So like the fact that all, so to me, the only way to fix this is to make everything earlier, right? Like well, that you have to, you got, you have to let these guys get paid, but that's never, I don't know how they're going to negotiate that into the CBA. Cause the owners aren't going to give up anything. And the NFL players union is by far the worst of all the unions. Sure. Well, I, I guess when you watch like baseball and you look at a guy and I know it's not a perfect correlation just because of the injuries and all that stuff, but you watch like a, a super high batting average, low slug guy. There's no longer surprise when that guy's not getting, you know, a, a, a big contract. The market has sort yeah. of corrected oh, so, itself. Okay, so you're on saying, that. why are the running backs still shocked that this is happening? Well, why isn't there like why is the the market not actualized for for what the value that these players actually bring to the teams in terms of we are no I, like uh, when when Luis Arias hits free agency and he's not getting a two hundred million dollar deal, no one's going to be surprised by that. Even if the guy's hitting damn near four hundred. Yeah, I think the difference is running backs are tremendously valuable. Like other than in terms of a good running back is probably still second to a good quarterback in terms of how much they can impact the game. Like on I mean, the offensive side, I mean, you look at the best teams over the last, maybe, couple years. maybe hold on. May, I'm, maybe 
maybe receiver rusher, or receptor. left tackle, receiver. No, no, offensively, offensively. Hold on. Let me just let me just tell you what my theory is. Sure. So running backs are still very valuable. I, I don't think that that's, that's arguable. A really good running back can make a huge difference. Have, having a guy who can catch passes out of the, out of the backfield, like a McCaffrey, and then can get you tough yards, that is tremendously valuable still in football. The problem is the replacement level is so high. That And that's the difference between like baseball and this. It's that the next guy can give you 85, 90% of the same value where the next best receiver maybe gives you two thirds of the value of a really great receiver. Same thing with quarterbacks. And so that becomes tremendously problematic when you're trying to get a new deal because like, well, we think you're great, but you're also getting old. And then I have this other guy who's yeah, not quite as good as you, but close you enough. Look, you also and you look at the teams that have won Super Bowls in the last God knows how many years, and you look at the the running backs out of those yes, teams. They have, it's not yeah, a list of, been, of no, it's not of all stars. It's not. But that's also part of the problem. Where <laughs> is that if you have a really good passing attack, then unless your running back can catch passes, then it's just not as it's efficient. Not valuable, anymore. right? Which is, but, but I think that's not, a trend throughout the league. But it's not. It's not like Derrick Henry's fault. Oh shit! Sorry, I spilled something. Uh, it's not Derrick Henry's fault that his quarterbacks and receivers aren't that good because think of him in a more dynamic offense like not now he's he's kind of too many injuries have caught up with him but think of him in a more dynamic offense how insanely valuable that would be right yeah and think of the fact that they they built their look did they win the super bowl no but they were a perennial playoff team built completely around this one dude yeah, no, they listen, they still can have value. It's just the high turnover rate combined with the fact that it is now you know a passing league where people are finding it is just more good things can happen, more explosive things can happen sure. when you're passing the ball. And you look at the teams that have had the most success in the last few years, none of their running backs are no, but because it's the teams paid. with the best, but it's the teams with the best quarterbacks. I mean, like, so right, but why, this is just because co- you have a good quarterback, you could no longer have a good running back. No, what I'm saying is the fact that these guys are like, oh, you're like, oh, they don't have any good running backs. Yeah, because they have the best quarterbacks. Like, it, that's true. If you have the best quarterbacks, uh, a really good running back doesn't doesn't really make a huge difference. But most teams don't have the best quarterbacks. <laughs> There's only like five, five of these guys who are truly elite, right? And then everyone else, a great running back can makes the difference potentially between being a playoff team like the Titans and the being a year. shitty team. What's that? Or the Giants last year. Like the year. Titans were, yeah, like the Giants last year uh, or being a shitty team uh, like, uh, I, get I can't even think of who's shitty. Yeah, well, definitely not. Uh, the Raiders. Our team's good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's too cliche to pick our team. All right. Uh, I think the running backs are getting screwed. I really do. I, I it's, it's hard because it, they clearly like in terms of a financial decision, they don't, the extensions don't make well, sense. The other, the other disconnect is they're getting screwed by the system. Yeah. The other disconnect that exists is these guys are still like, I personally, you, you've said this, you personally, wouldn't take them that high, you know, in the top 10, top 20 to begin with. And so 
they're probably saying you value me enough to use, you know, a high first round pick on me. And now you don't value me to, 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 you know, spend 12, 15 year million dollars a year on me. And so there is that disconnect there as well that I think is like, what, why, why you want to spend the second overall pick on me. And I know that your prime years are those first years, but still most, most people would, would, in the with the way that the league is moving, would say it probably isn't the best proposition to even do that in the first place. Right. That's what I was going to say. That they know that, like, even that teams still think that picking Saquon that high was a mistake. And even though I'm trying to think, like, who of the quarterbacks who's taking next? Darnold. Like the that was not. I guess Lamar Jackson was in that draft, but yeah, he was picked pretty far down. Right. It was like Darnold and Rosen. What's that? Lamar. Yeah. It was like Baker Mayfield, Darnold, Rosen. Who's the other one before Lamar? There's another one, right? Was there? Oh, Josh Allen, right? No. Yes. Josh Allen wasn't. Yeah. yeah, Josh Allen. Okay. So there we go. So there were actually two (laughs) taken after Saquon. Now, would they have taken the next two? Which, wait, did Allen go? It went Darnold, Allen, then Rosen? Alan Rosen was the, the third fourth. Before. Yes. Alan was like seven or eight. Rosen was 10 or 11. And then Jackson was like 32nd. Okay. Wait. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it was Mayfield one, Darnold three. Yes. All right. Uh, so yeah, they shouldn't have. <laughs> they probably would have taken, they probably would have taken Darnold and not either of the two guys who they should have taken. Uh, so yeah, I think that that's, they already know. And running backs know, like even uh, the Robinson kid, that people were like, oh, this, he's so good. They're actually going to take him in the top 10. Right. It's all kind of, and again, it gets the same goddamn thing, which is you can take a uh, Robinson in the, for, in the, with a top 10 pick or guarantee there's some other guy in this draft class who is going to either outproduce him or come damn close to it, who has taken in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round, maybe right. third. No, I agree that they there definitely needs to be some sort of restructuring because as of as of now, the something has to give in terms of the, the value that these guys bring, not yeah. necessarily to the team, but to the franchise and to the sport versus the pay that they're actually getting. Yeah. And I think the franchise thing would be an easier thing for them to get. Uh, the like quicker, the shorter rookie contract is never going to happen because then other it's just never going to, it's never going to happen because other members of the union don't want that. Well, maybe they would, maybe they'd realize that if they can get it for this group, they can get it for another one later. Right. Uh, but that's going to require, that's going to, that's going to require like a major concession on their part to get that. And they're not going to be the union as a whole. Well, like an 18th, 18th game. Well, look, the 18th game should happen. I think I hate 17 games. is just dumb. 18 games gives you like thirds of seasons. You can look at it that we have trimesters now. Two, two buys. <laughs> two buys. I get why they, they wouldn't want it, but like. Listen, just, I'm, the, I'm the last person that's going to argue against more football. So I agree. I'm, I'd be happy with an 18th game. So maybe, I mean, maybe that is part of what they try to do is get another, get it, get to everything a year sooner. If they're going to give them an 18, 18th game and get that franchise thing, maybe get that franchise thing for everyone. Right. 
or I guess, I don't know what is to do first round, like maybe first round picks. There's no longer a fifth year option for anyone. Let, let yeah. everyone hit, hit free agency after the fourth year. Yeah. I'm sure that that's going to have to be uh, the way that this works in order for them to get that 18th game. Right. And players should probably, I mean, the players should trade. The problem I think becomes is the NFL going to start to do load management. Oh, well, I don't know. The games at that point are still so valuable that. Yeah. I guess, I guess too, it's like really you're going to load manage a quarterback. The only players that you would really want to do it with, they're like some of your interior linemen, maybe, maybe some off ball linebackers. I don't know. It probably does. The, the running backs are the ones that would again, suffer the most under an 18 game schedule. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Should we get uh, to Cubs? Yeah. Um, Let's get to Cubs. I, there was something else I was going to say about this thing, but um, football, look, I don't think there, well, let me just ask you, just generally speaking, Noah, when you hear about these disputes, like what side are you on? Oh, I'll, I'll generally side. Well, here's the thing. I'll, I'll generally side with the, the players because it's not my money, but when there's a salary cap and I'm, I, uh, I know the value that a, a running back brings to my team when they're, and I look at a, a contract like Ezekiel Elliott. I yeah. understand not wanting to pay him. Like, I, it's not like yeah. I'm, well, I, I haven't seen accompanied with the, you know, the, the headlines, a bunch of, you know, cowboy or giant yeah, Raiders yeah, yeah. fans no, being like, why are we not signing this guy? In baseball, but, where you could spend as much as you fucking want. I'll always side with the player. Spend. Go ahead. Why do, why do I? Well, yeah, but that's also that's also awfully convenient because it's the fucking owners who insisted on the salary cap. So now it's like, oh yeah, like, oh I would, I, I would do it, but they can't. Sure, it's like that's this the is all their in system. Which I still have to roof. I, that's that's. <laughs> yeah, I think. Look, and I, I agree with you. Like people were saying, uh, Montgomery would have a good game, and they're like, sign this man. Like people. <laughs> Like on Bears Twitter or whatever, you see like people saying like, "Oh, you gotta, you gotta extend, you gotta keep Montgomery," and it's like I don't want them to keep him. And like I would, if if he was as good as like Ezekiel Elliott had been in his first four years, I wouldn't have wanted them to do that contract. Like as a fan of the team, I cannot well, want it to Smith happen. Wanting a hundred million dollars, you were very yeah. anti that. Like, as a fan of the team, I can yes, I. But that's that's a that's just a straight up value. But my point my point in this is, it's it's fair as a fan to like kind of understand the economics. It's also fair as a person and to want it to be better. So these guys aren't put in the situation where they're getting screwed. Right. We were having two different discussions. We're having a structural discussion, which makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah. We're, no, not no, having, no, we're not having a value yes. discussion. Yes. I just want to know, because I think that there have been times, at least when you were younger, that your stance was like kind of in disputes between and this isn't even dispute. So that I wasn't even really asking about this one in particular, but where you've sided with like the, the owners over players uh, um, when owners are the fucking worst, like they, they are the worst. They bring no value. And in fact, oftentimes they destroy value and no matter how badly they mismanage their organization, they sell it for an annualized return of at least like 15%. Have I and then been, they complain. Have I been on the side of the owners? I don't know. I feel like you were when you were younger. Maybe it's just people at your, at your home. 
that I'm conflating uh, you with. I'm not sure. Um, I, but I was just asking, generally speaking, because I don't really know. Yes, I have no problem with with structurally trying to to make it as advantageous for these players that I I yeah. like to root for and like to watch. Uh, that yeah. that I'm I'm obviously pro that. All right, good. Uh, so we were gonna. I wanted to talk a little more about the Cubs draft, uh, and I'm really only going to talk about one pick, which was shocking to me. And I got a text message from my friend. Did you see who they took with their last pick? And then I Googled it and I was like, Oh my God. And it is a kid named Drew Bowser. Um, and a lot of, a lot of like things have pointed out that like, this is a, this was a pretty good value pick, but, um, he's a third baseman from Stanford and that's how every place that I've seen reporting this, uh, calls him a third baseman from Stanford, which is, which is true. But what is also true is that he was a high school teammate of Pete Crow Armstrong. He's, he's Harvard another Westlake Harvard kid. Westlake. He's another Harvard Westlake kid. And also he was a kid that in 2020, he was very highly regarded as a prospect. Um, and most he was, uh, all right. So I copied this. I, I have this thing. I think I might've sent it to you. No, or maybe I just made it, but never sent it to you. By the way, just really um, quickly, Harvard Westlake, that is Giolito, uh, P. Crow Armstrong, Jack Flaherty, Max Freed. Like this, this school has produced some, some pretty awesome, uh, yes. baseball players recently. And Drew was the shortstop, uh, on that team with Pete and he was very highly regarded. So I went to fan graphs to look up like their 2020 rankings and um, drew was a 40 plus true. What, what's his point. full name? Drew Bowser. Drew Bowser. He was a 40 plus. Okay. And that sounds like low, like, Oh, like, cause you know, Pete now is a uh, Pete Armstrong is like a 60 or a 55. I think in most things now, maybe, Maybe he's even up. I think that's what I've seen pretty much, which means like, but because the draft is so far away that they're the draft guys, they're always much lower in terms of their future value because there's so much kind of randomness and uncertainty and all the things we've talked about in the past. So there were actually in that draft. So he was a, a 40 plus the first 40 plus guy is at 34 overall in the class. The last 40 plus guy is at 72. Uh, so there were, what does that make? 39 of them uh, all told. Here are some of the names that coming out, out of high school in 2020 on fan graphs. And this is just one scouting service. Here are some of the other names of guys that were 40 pluses per fan graphs. Uh, Jordan Walker, uh, St. Louis, who yep. is already Number one overall in the majors. Coming and, into the year. Yes. Uh, struggled. Well, not didn't even really struggle, but for some reason, St. Louis sent him down. I think he's it was been, mostly he's been defense. great. He's been having a and, really strong rookie year. Yeah. And then they called him back up and he's been doing great. Uh, he was number 41 overall, but again, 40 plus is his grade. Dylan Cruz, who just went number two overall in LSU. the draft. Correct. Uh, to uh, the nationals. Now uh, Cade Horton, Cubs who ended up getting 40, drafted 47th overall prospect right now, uh, according to MLB.com. 
for the Cubs? Uh, yes. Well, I, yeah, it depends on your source, but he's now climbing into those, certainly the top 100s and I guess apparently on MLB.com, the top 50. Uh, and then uh, Yo-Yo Morales, who I mentioned last week, who was also drafted uh, by the Nationals. Um, so those are some of the other names. And a lot of these guys like, you know, are just getting drafted now. Uh, Drew Bauer, or Drew Bowser, excuse me, was uh, number 50 overall in that class per fan graphs. Uh, Dylan Cruz was 46. And then 64. So he was between uh, uh, Dylan Cruz and Cade Horton. Now, so what happened? <laughs> okay. So here's the thing. He is, he is completely like the anti-Dylan um, Cruz. Dylan Cruz would have been a fringe first round pick. I think there was, I think he probably thought he was going to drop into the second round, uh, which is why he withdrew. Um, I think if Drew Bowser hadn't had a solid commitment, he would have been in, in would have been a second round pick. He went to Stanford. And he didn't do great. Um, he, he did not show good plate discipline. Uh, I think he had, he had like a, you know, pretty low walks to strikeouts. He had some power, apparently like from, from talking to uh, my friend Matt, who knows a lot about these things. Apparently he had like some really good streaks, um, where he, I think he got really hot, uh, sophomore year at the end of the year. Um, and then just did not really have a good junior year, or at least not what these guys, um, would, what they want to see. But in terms of like upside, this is an insanely good pick, right? He might never pan out, but he, his upside, again, it's almost like um, the thing that we talked about with the bears that they were like taking guys who were highly recruited coming out of high school or highly regarded coming out of high school and maybe didn't do as well um, in college. Now the bears were taking them in the second round, which I didn't necessarily like as much as opposed to the last round. But you can still um, understand the, the philosophy behind it. Yes. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that like, so I think he, and I, I at least maybe it was on ESPN, you know, he was picked like 500 and something and ESPN had him in their top 300. Right? I think he was like 240 well, so, or so something back like out that. Because yeah. How, I mean, to go from, you know, at top, whatever, a second round pick a couple of years ago to being, you know, the last selection by the Cubs, how much you have to, I imagine you have to struggle a significant amount. For, Here, well, I'll call, I'll tell you what his numbers are uh, for that to be the case, because even if he showed any sorts of flashes, you'd imagine that given the profile coming in, he'd still find himself somewhere with you know in in the yeah the middle so, okay rounds. so his uh first year his freshman year he hit 302 with a 361 obp and a 487 it's so tough hearing college numbers i really like don't know <laughs> like obviously that sounds awesome yeah, no it's i mean now his sophomore year he hit 293 with a 350 OBP and a 573 slugging hit 18 homers in 260 plate appearances. Now the downside was he struck out 77 times and drew 20 walks. Uh, 77 times. That's a, that's a lot of strikeouts <laughs> in, uh, in college in 263 uh, plate appearances. That's certainly higher than what team would want to see, 
but he was, you know, and his average was lower than the year before the strikeouts went way up, like basically doubled from his freshman year. And the walks stayed the same freshman year. He had 38 strikeouts, 18 walks. Basically, like I said, it's uh, walked two more times, but struck out twice as many times. He did have a few more played appearances, but uh, more or less that's kind of trending in the wrong direction there. And then this past year, uh, he hit 271, 342, 512. Uh, so he lost some of that. Uh, it seemed like his he lost some of the power. Like he dropped 60 points in slugging percentage. In uh, only 22 of that was um, was batting average. So he lost like 40 points of ISO. Uh, struck out 20, or excuse me, struck out 81 times in uh, 272 plate appearances with 26 walks. Uh, so he didn't the walk rate more. He improved it a little bit. Um, I guess it's almost 30% improvement, but still 26 walks in 272 plate appearances isn't great, especially at college for like an elite guy. Like, like if you look at some of these other guys, what their, what their strikeout percentages, what their walk to strikeout uh, looks like, and it's uh, much better than this. But again, there's some production there. It's not like he went and did nothing. Right. Right. But it's not like you see these guys in college, they're all, you know, they hit in the high 300s uh, with like just under, you know, 500 OBPs. Right. Even, I mean, based on everything that I just heard, I feel like I am missing something because it, right. It does seem like awesome value. If that is the whole, the whole story where here's this guy who was a super, you know, highly regarded guy out of high school, had a good freshman year and has been treading the wrong way since. Yeah. It sounds like it could be a coaching that draft. Yeah, that that seems like insane value if that's the whole story. Yeah, and I I don't know I'm I I wonder if if he would go back for a go back for a fourth year to try to like get more value, uh, um, or if he'll sign. I don't know. I, I, what his, I do what think that's a possibility. Too. You know, there. I wonder if he'll. Well, I hope they're willing slot. to go over slot form. Right. What's that? Yeah, I'm hoping they'll go above slot form, but I I don't know what, because you know those seniors don't have a whole lot of leverage when it comes to the draft. Um. So even if he kind of rebounded, there's no guarantee. I, I, obviously, if he really went off, but I'm guessing that part of the problem, at least for him, and I'm not saying for everybody, is the coaching there. Like the coach, the coaching staff, or whatever things they have at their disposal. Um, aren't helping this kid get better. Yep. So we'll see. Uh, but like, I totally agree that. Well, man, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> you are right in that there's a ton of value uh, for this pick. Um, that you know, what are the chances he make even makes the majors? They're probably still low, but for I most would of say these guys, higher. It's, it's, it's a right. Well, they're higher. And also if they can kind of fix whatever's wrong and, you know, there's no guarantee that that's something, it is something that's fixable. Like maybe he um, struggles with velocity or movement or, you know, who knows uh, what's behind it. Or I'm, I'm sure they have ideas of what's behind it. But who knows what they can fix and what they can't fix? Yeah. Uh, well, based on everything I'm hearing, I like to pick. Yes. I think that this is possibly the only pick they could have made that I would have an opinion on. 
The, the last picking, pick of the draft. Their their last well, their last pick of the draft. Yes, yeah. so I wouldn't have even have known about it. Like I looked after the first day. Like some of the guys they took. Well, uh, is it you know is, reasonably high? Is but, it possible that he was sort of high? And I don't know. I have no idea if this is something that can happen. But is it possible that given where the you know playing at Harvard Westlake, playing next to 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 PCA? that he sort of, as a, a high school prospect, was able to get more shine than he actually, actually deserved at that time and was sort of um, a more highly touted prospect in high school, given his circumstances. Than- um, I don't know, because he was on he was on all of those same, like, USA Baseball things. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so he was pretty high, like... Let me see if I can figure out um, which ones he was on. But he was on the radar, like I think before he started playing, even at um, at Harvard Westlake. I think. Yeah, well, I'm not, pretty I don't sure know how the, the rankings go and what the recruiting sort of what all that what all that looks like for for baseball. But I do imagine to go to a school like that helps get get some recognition and get some some spotlight for sure especially sure. when you're playing along yeah, he's alongside a the... guy who's as highly regarded as as you know PCA was going in yeah i'm just trying to tease it out like was he did he get more people were scouting and did he get more was he already kind of on the radar i'm not really sure but i know like obviously he was um he was very highly regarded because he was invited to all of these other things. Uh, like I said, you, uh, USA baseball under 18 team for sure is what just popped up. I mean, well, the flip there. side of that is he's, he's getting a ton of looks and guys must've still liked what they saw in high school when, when he was being you know looked at because for him, for him to be that high. Yeah. I, I mean, he's is, a big kid. Flip side like, of that argument. Yeah. He's, I think he's like six, four, four, two twenty five. He's a big kid. Uh, so yeah, I mean, who knows? Again, yeah, six four two twenty six per baseball reference. Uh, big kid with uh, a lot of pretty good tools. You know, I don't know much about his defense. You know, he's obviously just probably completely outgrew. Um, shortstop, in addition, maybe he's not the fleetest of foot. He had in his college career, he had two stolen bases and two caught stealings. But we don't need our third baseman to run. <laughs> we do need a third baseman. <laughs> Quite honestly, I mean, what's that? We do need a third baseman. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully he can stay at the position. I, I, I don't know. Uh, but again, for last pick in the draft, ain't half bad. All right. No, I'm almost thinking that we should just cut it short. Or wait, were there other things that you wanted to talk about? Well, with the Cubs, I mean... Last time we talked, they was going into the all-star break. They were seven back of then, I think it was Cincinnati, six back of Milwaukee. As of today, they are seven and a half back of the Brewers. Um, They lost two of three to Boston. they've, They've split the first two. With Washington, um, deadlines, you know, August 1st. And I had said on that pod that if by July 23rd they weren't within five games of Milwaukee, that I 
wanted them to to sell and if they were within those five games that they should they should try and stay competitive with the core they had fast forward to today i'm definitely leaning more towards selling and i think as i watch this team hold on a second yeah hold on a second leaning towards selling what if you were well it's not it's not the 23rd and there's still a chance okay. that by okay, that but, date but has anything changed though if you were sitting in the gm chair like what's our gm's name now jed hoyer no he's like the president of baseball oh, operations yeah. uh, it said that everyone knows jed uh hawkins is that possible something hawkins yeah yeah carter hawkins maybe? <laughs> yeah that sounds right Carter Hawkins, let's go. Point to me. There you go. Uh, so you're Carter Hawkins. That's a pretty damn good name. I don't know how he wasn't a bigger baseball player. Um, are you working the phones now? It's not your 23rd date, but have you? Are you now like, all right, it's it's not happening by the 23rd even? Well, so a couple of things. Bellinger, who was starting to really play well, going into the break has continued to, you know, a two homer game. I think he's hit three homers since the all-star break. He's batting like 310. I think he's one of three players in the the uh, National League with like an average over 300 and a slugging over 500, I think. Um, yeah. He's, you know, and so the more I thought about it, there was a couple of things is, you know, you have him at what is his probably, you know, his absolute peak of of what his value will be, as good as he's been since obviously his MVP year. Same thing for Strowman. And so it is hard to pass up on selling guys at the absolute apex of, of their value. Yeah. And two, as I watched this team over the last couple of weeks, and I think the the Washington, you know, and Boston series have been perfect, you know, the epitome of what this team is, where you, you watched them on the part of what, what made it so hard for me to, to accept selling is you watch this team on the right night. You got, you know, Strowman or, or steel dealing or, or smiley or Hendricks dealing. You got Bellinger hitting homers. You got Nico leading off and getting on base. Sale looks good on the right night. Hap is playing excellent defense and is getting like, there's so many names as you go down the list where on the right night, you watch this team. You're like, man, I like that piece. I like that piece. That you know they they can they really can draw you in on on a given night. The problem is as you watch the next game where they're not getting enough slug, the they're struggling to to get guys on base. They just don't have the proper roster construction. They've got a lot of guys who are good individual pieces that just aren't coming together in in the right way. And I think it's very similar actually to. The issue that the White Sox have had over the last couple of years, where they had a lot of names mm. that I really, really liked. You know, it just the roster construction was a little clunky, where they had you know five guys where you felt like this he's a good player, I like him. He's just he's a DH or a first baseman, and it's hard to to find yeah. you know a place for all those guys in the lineup. And so I'm finding the same thing with the Cubs, where you look at you know a, the, a, a lineup that they can give out on a given day, or you you can watch them play on a given day and you can say, man, I like a lot of those pieces. It's just unfortunate that they don't come together in, in a way to be as competitive as they should be. And so that combined with 
the fact that a lot of the pieces that they would be selling, they're selling at an absolute high right now. Makes it yeah. makes makes me think while it's gonna suck, it probably does, you know, make the most sense to 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 sell. Yeah. And yeah, they should be working the phones right now. It's not happening. Uh, uh, and even if it did, they're still just a notch below. Like it's so clear that, yeah, they could, a miracle they could make the playoffs, but it's just not. I think I saw them at like not, 10% chance to make the playoffs right now. I saw that, yeah, yesterday or the day before. And I, yeah, you got to get, they should be able to command just massive returns for these guys. Um, and the sooner you start getting it, the more value there is because then they get, you know, Stroman gets an additional two or three starts with the team if you can do it now. Like, obviously, there are teams that probably kind of have one to like, oh, are we going to buy? Are we going to sell? But the earlier you get this thing done, um, at least that you start taking fielding offers, um, the better. And there's a lot of teams, God, the, the NL East, or sorry, the AL East, the standings just, it's still the same thing where if you look at the AL East and the AL central, they are still in order. It could act as one continuous set of standings. The Yankees are in last place at 50 and 46 in the AL East. The twins are in first place, a game behind the Yankees, but in first place of the AL central at 49 and 47. Well, it's also just great the way that the websites do it, where the East is always put one slot higher than central. So it just goes straight down. you just see it uh, like my favorite thing in baseball uh, right now, but yeah, there's so many teams, you know, the pro one of the problems, well, actually it's not even a problem. Now that I think about it, the teams that are um, a lot of the teams that are good are teams that are not known for spending, right? Like teams like the Orioles and yeah, the Rays. Uh, yeah. Um, but the one thing those teams do have is prospects. Yep. So, uh, you know, I don't know, like they, they don't, these teams don't like to spend, but if they can see the opportunity, you know, the the Rays have been pretty smart with their prospects, generally speaking too. Um, but who knows? Um, Stroman and have, Ballinger will be two of the better pieces that, you, that they'll, they'll will be. Probably will be. arguably the best, the best pitcher and the best uh, position player, like most valuable. In which case, Otani would be both. Uh, in Verlander and Scherzer, who might be out there, depending on what the Mets decide to do. Um, who knows? But also, there's a chance that those guys aren't on the market. Right, but if Otani's out Certainly there, that's, that's automatically I mean, the, the number one hitter and pitcher on the market is, is Otani. I don't even know how you value like the the package of prospects that I would demand for this guy. I think it's it literally to, has to be like to, twice much. It has to be like the, twice as much as anybody has ever gotten in terms what, of prospects. What I saw is you know I think it's like what what was given up to get Soto, where basically the two years. No, it's got to be twice. That. But you got two. You got two years of Soto. Oh, two. So years. the two, two years, years. Of Soto okay, yeah, that yeah, yeah, for the yeah, half year of Otani yeah. is basically what they were saying. Yeah, but it also does give you – there is more value than that. It does give you an inside track on signing him if that's something that you want to do. So if you're someone that wants to go after him as a free agent, there's value in getting him in your locker room now. Sure, but there's also inherent risk in giving up all those prospects and then losing him in free oh, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying that 
it's it's not quite like oh well he only has six months left and Soto has a year and a half right it's that it's not like this. so like six months playing both ways is like the equivalent of a year not six months uh, sixty games um, is the equivalent of like one twenty games but it's, it doesn't quite work that way like a team like the Yankees getting him in there not that they couldn't I, I say, I'm not even, that's a that's a bad example a team like the Red Sox though who might be outbid by the Yankees getting him in their locker room this year and like potentially impacting and winning and everything else could make it a lot more likely that he signs with the Red Sox instead of just going to the Yankees. Soto is also going to be a free agent this year. This is going to be a fun free agency class. Yeah. They're going to put him back on the, on the block. I think I saw some, I mean, they're, they're, they have the same record as the Cubs in a division that's yeah. more competitive. Baseball's but weird. Man. His Bellinger so weird. Has Bellinger been more valuable than Soto this year? No, I think Soto's got a higher WAR than Bellinger. I don't know. Soto's defense is horrendous. I think I saw that he does have a higher WAR than Bellinger. Um, but also Bellinger's been hurt for a decent chunk of the year, so that probably hurts his overall. Like I said, if if he does, it's only because of the games played. Certainly has, well, I don't know about certainly. I don't know why I said certainly, but I would guess, because I know he kind of heated up recently, but he was not having a good year for mo- at the bat with the bat uh, for most of the, or at least a good chunk of the year. He was Soto? way down by his standards. Yeah. Since he's gotten there, he hasn't been as good as he was in Washington. All right. So Soto per fan graphs is, yeah, he's 13th in uh, war what is he yeah, he's, he's up to one there. wrc plus the he's last time to, i looked he's, he was up, to on, like, he's up to what high 130s he's got a 150 wrc plus uh yeah ballinger was like 130 something yeah tiny right now is the second most valuable hitter Got the most uh, home runs and score. triples right now in baseball. And the high, he's got 184 WRC plus. That's yeah, a joke. Uh, all right, so maybe I maybe I went a little strong saying the best of each, but possibly they could be the best guys to actually get moved because I'm not convinced that the the Padres are going to pack it in and yeah. not just try to re-sign Soto. Um, because they don't seem like they're averse to spending. I agree, and it, it, it's such a—it's weird, right? You look at the Mets and the Padres and how much they're struggling. It's—that's—that's it, that's not something I could explain to you. I'll be—I'll be honest. Yeah, I thought I, it's funny because like every year, they're like, oh, this is the year that the Padres are actually going to do it, and then they're worse than ever. I know last year they were—they kind of lived up to that a little bit, but it seems like we've been hearing about the Padres this being the year they put it all together for the last seven consecutive seasons. You know, their perfect equivalent is, and it's funny that because they, they used to play in the same state to me is the chargers Where the chargers every year. They're like, this is the year that they've got all this talent yeah. to the chart and then they can never, they can never do it. I was all thinking right. about the, uh, Oh, yeah, we're probably pretty good. Yeah. It's going to say, let's wrap it up. It. Hold on. I just never got to Cody Bellinger's uh, where he is in war. And I think it's because war, because I think that war qualified hitter. Yeah, I think it's because he's not qualified. 
he is at, as of now, yeah, he's only at 2.4. He's got, got a w, uh, WRC plus of 137, though. He's been, All listen, right. he, we undersold last in the last episode. I mean, I, I know he's been, he's heated up even more since, but we've undersold how, how awesome he's been. He's been a yeah. really, he's been one of the better hitters in baseball, period. Yes. He's been uh, very good and very valuable. And for the point you made before, now is the time because they're not going to sign him long-term. I don't want them to sign him long-term, even if they didn't have Pete Armstrong, He seems like he's a very high risk uh, guy well, to sign. Do you know who's, who's kicking ass in, in Los Angeles right now for the Dodgers? Uh, Jason Hayward. Yes, yes, he is. I think he, Jason uh, Hayward, has a higher war than a lot of Cubs outfielders do this year. Yeah, he, I mean, look, the guy definitely needed a change of scenery. Like, it didn't work here for whatever reason. I, I always liked that I guy, not, and I felt bad. I all by all accounts, the what everyone said is is he not listen. I, he worked his ass off. He worked his ass off day in and day out, and he would give it all back to be as good as he was. Um, when he was in St. Louis yeah. and Atlanta. That's why I always root for Jason. It seems like, I'm glad to see that he's, he's yeah, it seems well. like a genuinely, yeah, I definitely don't want to see, I, I also want to see him do well. He seems like a genuinely good person, like the uh, well liked, never supposedly like worked his ass off to try to get it figured out, made a ton of changes like at the Cubs' behest, and none of them really worked. It couldn't. Just couldn't unlock it for whatever reason. But most important uh, speech in Cubs history. So. He did a one twenty, yes, one twenty three WRC plus for the Dodgers. Yeah, he's been awesome. Good for him. Yeah. All, All right. right. Let's. Uh, Thank you for listening to the Stark and Cope Chicago Sports Show. Nope, 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 uh, nope. Please nope, join nope. us. Incorrect. What? <laughs> Thank you, Noah. Thank you for listening to the new. <laughs> the Stark and Cove Chicago Sports Podcast. Uh, join us again. When, I don't know. Maybe we'll be able to talk about some trades that were made or anticipate those trades. Thanks, everybody. Yep. Thanks, guys.